for the great. We don't play Carol Frankfurt. We don't play. Did you see what sing? someone called you in the comments uh, last night? No. What? No? Dr. Frank D? and Weenie. Frank and Weenie? Yeah. Really? Oh, uh, yeah. But thanks dad. for commenting like so many different times. Like, well, we love it. That was a boomer last uh Frank and last Weenie. Episode. Yeah, yeah, last episode was a great episode. Thanks, too. guys. We appreciate you guys. We love you all. And uh, we hope that you enjoy uh, this show, this episode, just as much. And don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. You know, right now. it's not that hard. No, but do it yeah, now. Just start Just start off with a little like, comment, and subscribe. Just a little. Get off. I don't know if you need right to comment foot. right now. Like, watch a bit of the show so your comment isn't just based on the thumbnail. We know if you're just commenting and not watching the show, by the way. Like, yeah. if you comment Stop and I'm like, 100% that guy didn't watch the show or girl, yeah. I, I know right away. So Stop. you're better off to watch it and then watch comment. it. Yeah. Comment, share, I'll know. like, I'll know. subscribe. And I tell my kids that when they come home from school. I'm always like, I know what you did. This, I know what you did today. That's right. Just you might as well tell me now because I already know. Which, which thing works every time which teacher called you tk i got something i got i gotta i gotta figure this out and i'm hoping yep i'm hoping that Maybe the channel will like, you know, come to some good use for me finally. Okay. And maybe I can get the opinion of the people out there because TK and I are working on this really great deal right now. Or so I thought, right? Mm. And now, well, I mean. It's a deal that. I think it's a deal. Has the potential just, to be the biggest deal. Ever. 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 Or the worst deal ever, right? Maybe yeah. not the worst deal not ever, worst deal. but like. It could be a deal no matter what. But is it a deal worth going into? Is it know. a deal worth tying up the, also, the equity in, yeah, you know, yeah. and timing and all that kind of stuff? But but I mean, if we can solve this, then TK, this is like holy macro. But okay, Man. so what I what I want to know is like, would you consider living in a building where you bought your unit, a condo, mm -hmm. and a portion of the unit, a nice condo? A beautiful not just condo. Any condo. This is no, not but, a like. But I, you, you're okay. screwing up what I'm doing here, TK, for a change. Okay, I'm okay. layering it. I'm getting to that. Layered. Okay, fine. Just let's saying. let's say Don't picture not this like luxury a Hamilton yet. condo. No, but even in Hamilton, like maybe. Let, let's just see. Okay, so two opinions, please. Okay, I'll show. Take you. take two different perspectives. The first one being like, if you were just gonna buy a condo downtown Toronto, Hamilton. I guess in Port Perry now you can buy a condo, Newmarket, everywhere you can buy a condo, anywhere you can buy a condo, TK. But would you be willing to buy a condo in a building that had a portion of rental replacement units, which have dictated rents by by the, our, our, our city? Is this something that you would be okay with? And, and honestly, because... Like I could take both sides of this equation and I can make great sense from both sides. But now that you've thought about it, everybody, which I hope you're still listening, but if you're still listening and you're actually going to comment, now the perspective is like super high end, ridiculous luxury property with a portion of it 
with some rent control. It's not rent but control. It's rent replacement with rent control. By old rental stock anyway. So you're not like uh, it's only your building that has it. The whole neighborhood swaying the pole already. Also TK. has several, several buildings pump her, pump that have average. It's very rents. true though. It's very yeah, not true. Luxury rents. It's very so true. If you're there buying is. in this building, you know that no matter what. Right? But at your doorstep is look at you tk that you want to be I'm i i knew it i knew it yeah, sorry i just need a little Anyways, tk in the in the perspective give, right given given the the, the but thanks audience. for fucking up the poll that really yeah. fucked it up probably i'm just saying i'm just saying you guys tell us in the comments if you were going to buy a place that you're going to live in how comfortable in general would you be knowing that there was not affordable, not like, you know, we're giving people from the, the streets a place to live, but like no, a, just a mid -range, controlled rent, a mid-range mid rental, controlled, controlled rent. rent for people who probably make like 120 grand a year. Think about it. Is that what it is? Think about it. If it's a 30% uh, GDS. So now you've got like, what, two grand a month? Three grand a month? What, What's GDS? A month? What, pretend I'm service. stupid. Oh, right, so right, right. The, the ratio service of your ratio. income. Yeah, to yeah, the, yeah, okay. You know, so... Is know. that what it's called? GDS? That's just, a service ratio? That, uh, that, that, okay, yeah, anyway. GDS ratio, right? So then you've yeah. got, let's say, what, three grand a month, $2,500 a month? I don't know. $30,000 a year in rent payments? Over there? Pending? Here? Yeah, somewhere. So 30%, you make 100 grand know. a year to qualify for that type of rental. Yeah, but like the building would command rents of like 12 grand a month or something crazy. I'm Eight grand saying. a month, but it's not you like you're renting it's not it like you're housing twenty four hundred on uh, uh, welfare. You're you're housing like no, yeah, people. yeah, <laughs> normal people, yeah, who score, who will have a score and we'll a half, have a score, right? who are putting their name on the list already. But I don't know if it makes any bloody sense to do it, like, and if it's financeable to do it, and if uh, like what people will think. So it would be a great service to me if you could share your opinions in the comment section. And this is not to get comments, to get more views, TK. Although no. it would be brilliant if it was. That would also we be should do pretty smart helpful. Stuff like that from time to time. Anyways. Yeah. Please. Thank you. Have a nice day. TK, we have a guest. We have a guest. Here he He's comes. In the room. He is raring and ready to we go. We like I our think. guests. You know, we got, we get our shows. It's just me and you. And every once in a while, we got to share the love, Daryl. We got to share the love. Share the love with the public. And the public is uh, sharing the love with us, TK. I feel, I, I, feel, I feel it. I feel it. I feel it lately. You guys, every are, once you in guys a while. are giving back right now to us. Let me tell you. Somebody likes appreciate to it. punch you in the face. There Absolutely. he is. Absolutely. Norman. Hi. Hi. Can you hear me? We yeah, no problem. Perfectly. Perfect mic, too. Yeah, great background. This is awesome. professional. Here we go. Maybe you're yeah. going to look make us look good today. This is fantastic. Welcome to the show, Mr. Thanks, Norman. Norman. Thank thanks, for, thanks for coming on today. So, Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So we're already into the show where, you know, Daryl and I talked a little bit. We we just had a little bit of uh, topics to discuss. And uh, I just kind of give you some information. I give the people who are listening information. So, Norman, I found your channel. Okay, you've got a YouTube channel, right? I'd say you're a successful YouTuber, you're a successful real estate agent, you got to get a good business and that you share a lot of good content. And I and I mentioned this to you already is I saw that a lot of your content you speak about some of the topics that we do, right? And that's, yep. you know, awesome because obviously we got a lot in common, but you do it for the Chinese community, right? Yes. Yes. And so this is a service that you provide, right? And I feel like yep. your channel needs to get more views. You need to have more people paying attention to it because you, you do some really great content. And uh, yep. 
give us an idea. Like, what is your typical client profile? Like, what kind of business are you doing? What part of the city? What kind of deals do you work on? What do you do? Okay. So I run a team. Uh, I have about uh, 15 people. Uh, the A good amount of them are realtors like us. Um, and two of them, on top of the regular realtors, are my personal assistant. They help me with marketing content, with my YouTube uh, uh, videos edit, uh, with my everything that I want them to help me with. And I have another two people um, mainly works on the property management. We do help clients to buy a lot of properties. And a lot of them, they don't want to um, spend that much time uh, managing the tenants, landlord relationship, managing the contracting, managing the minor fixings. So we do all that for our clients. Local That's clients or are they abroad? Sorry? Are these local clients you're managing the properties for? Um, they are not necessarily local clients, but they buy locally. They are from everywhere. We manage just over 200 uh, lease contracts and 50% uh, or each wow. of the landlord, they are not in GTA. They are from everywhere. They are my previous college friends who studied in U of T and now they go back to China mainland. Um, there are clients from Japan, from the States, from Ottawa, from uh, BC, from uh, Alberta, from Montreal. <laughs> Uh, okay. really from everywhere. Uh, so 50% of them are not here uh, and from Thailand as well. And the rest 50% of them are, are really busy people locally. They don't want to do the management themselves. So leave the property to us. So that's how my business works. Uh, we pretty much buy um, and sell the whole GTA area. I assign my team members based on uh, geographic locations. So some people are focusing on the west side. Some people are focusing on the east side. Some people are, are north. Um, I myself pretty much uh, focus on downtown. That's my area because uh, I graduated from U of T. A lot of my clients are my friends and friends' friends and uh, professionals working on Bay Street. Um, I also personally handle listings and uh, pre-constructions. So each member of my team has its own function, like lease specialist, purchase specialist, things like that. How's pre-construction to... doing right now? Sorry, TK. Or, sorry? How's the pre-construction market doing these days? So in my humble opinion, I'm a very straightforward person. I think 96% of the pre-construction projects, they are really junk. I think somehow they are a fraudulent that uh, developers try to get, get a lot of money from the innocent buyer who doesn't really know the market. They are being sold for way overpriced. For example, there are projects in downtown are being sold at 18 to 2,400 per square feet. I've seen those projects. In one project, the larger units is like 1,800. The smaller units are like 2,400. Um, I don't know in three to five years how they can get their mortgage. Maybe they need. Maybe the buyer needs to pay 70% to 80% down so that they can go get a mortgage. For the rest of the good projects, um, I do uh, buy them myself uh, together with my clients. I really focusing on only promoting the projects that I personally approve and are willing to pay. Good. I, I've watched your wow. videos, Norman, and they are they are in um, uh, Mandarin, but uh, you have English subtitles, so I've been able to like watch them and and listen to them. And the reason I brought you on the show is because of your honesty and because of the things you say, and that you you you'll get along great with Daryl. Uh, Daryl's not a realtor, by the way. I am, but Daryl's not. He's a developer. So, you know, he's got this sort of like 
view that's just very honest because he's not trying to sell anybody anything. And so a lot of yeah. your comments on pre-construction or policies it. and things like that are all very I just love like, it. straightforward. So, so yes. we appreciate that. Just I'm trying to like give our listeners a little bit of background on you. What did you go to school for in uh, at U of T? Uh, I studied finance. I'm CFA and FRM. Based oh, on my God. knowledge, I'm probably the only CFA and FM real estate broker in Canada. Why go into real estate after spending Love this time it. at U of T in a very okay. you know, reputable program? Look how smart he is. Look at this networking. <laughs> Look at this web he's weaved here. It's beautiful. Okay. You can okay. see it. So, oh, by the way, you can see my CFE and FRM uh, designation. <laughs> over there. I see a white piece of paper that I cannot read, but uh, okay. I believe you. Good. Don't worry. I yeah. Okay. okay. No problem. So, um, I my family in China, they are developers themselves. So, they are in real estate business. Um, I, I came to Canada 2009 um, as an international student. I paid the international student fee by then. That was 120K, like uh, I believe. Now I think it's probably doubled. Um, my family doesn't want me to go to Canada. I was enrolled in a very top university in China as well. So by that time, my my family decides to lend me money instead of uh, giving me money to to do the program. So it's a lot of money. I I've been always thinking about how can I pay them off. So what I did, I tried everything I can. I did TA jobs. I had 11 TA and RA jobs as an undergraduate student before I graduated. Uh, also, um, I did two co-ops with the U of T's co-op programs, um, which I, I earned a little bit of money, you know, $24 per hour. Uh, TA is way better. TA is $42 per hour, but it's still very little. Uh, as I studied finance, I traded stocks, options, futures, um, anything you can imagine. Um, but I don't make money. I especially don't make uh, extra money than the market. Only when I find out that the market of real estate is really different from here in Canada compared to my hometown in China, I find out some opportunity, which I really actually made a little bit fortune as a undergraduate student. So in China, the home price is really expensive, but the rent is nothing. The rent is like a 10% to 20% compared to Canada, but the home price is pretty much the same. But in Canada, um, to me, that means rent is a lot more expensive and the home price is relatively cheaper. So I borrowed money from my family to buy two very, very poor conditioned homes in Canada when I was in my second year. And I hold on to them, I lease them out um, as a single room occupancy. Um, I pretty much collected about $10,000 net profit from each profit, each uh, each property each year. I bought two of them. Um, I bought two of them for about $95,000 to $100,000 and sold them for about $130,000 uh, when I graduate. Where is and this? I paid off Where my... are those? Oh, I, I'll, I'll get there soon. Okay. So I, I pretty much paid off my tuition fee uh, before I graduate. But I think the, the decision of sale is a, wrong, is a wrong decision. What happened is that they are, uh, they are in, they are in uh, Scarborough, next to UT Scarborough campus. Oh, <clears throat> damn. Yeah, you know, when I sold them, they are 130,000. Um, it looks Fundos. good, right? Yeah, it looks good, 40% appreciation. But now they're worth like half a million. Yeah. yeah, and now you can chop them up into legal suites for the university. Yeah. 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 
I, I bought I the property up. at the end of Military Trail there, Military Trail in Kingston Road. Yeah. That yeah. Field together. What a great area. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful area and it's so underserved, that school. There's so many students there and there's yeah, nowhere exactly. for them to live at all. And then exactly. there's just a sea of like bungalows and old houses that are like easy to chop up, put a garden suite. Now you can exactly. do it legally, I guess, before. Can you do rooming houses over there? You know, I think I didn't know that, but uh, I suppose not to do single room occupancy. It should be three person only in one unit. So right now, they're, they're in that area, you can't do rooming houses, but March 2024, the policy has been changed. So March 2024, Scarborough is going to have legal rooming reading. houses. Yeah. Yeah. So in that area, you can do up to six rooms per house. So they're six trying to rooms. they're trying to make it a little bit different. Yeah, in that area. Ooh. Crazy. That, that'll be a, that'll be housing okay so just again i'm not trying to stay on this topic too long but you saw a lot of success in real estate you saw that that was a bigger opportunity than you did in the finance world which is what you were going to school for and so then after you graduated you said well instead of going through with my degree you're going to then get into real estate you started selling real estate you built a team and now you offer this really actually a very smart service. I used to do similar things for my clients. I had management. I had about 75 doors. I did a lot of things for investors the same way. But you also do other things like construction wise. You also you're willing to really help people with development with uh, a lot of other things like talk a little bit about that, like the, the new multiplex study that I uh, what's your opinion on that? I've heard it already, you, you know, that now we're allowed to build multiplexes. How do you think that's going to affect Toronto? Okay. Okay. So I did, uh, I, I'm not like uh, Daryl. I only built a few custom built homes myself. I built about five of them, including my own home, which uh, where I'm sitting now. Um, after that, I think I'm done. I think I'm still worst. doing better as a realtor. Okay. Yeah, it's the <laughs> I'm worst not really ever. a developer. Horrible yeah. business. Yeah. Uh, it's not a horrible business, but I think I'm more gifted in being a realtor. Um, I'm not uh, I'm not very resistant to different weathers like a hot weather and cold weather. I I would prefer stay <laughs> at my comfortable home um, with air conditioning so mm -hmm. serving me instead of outside. Are we, are uh, we talking metaphors though? Like is that no. like the, the weather or no, you, talking you build about a like house, man? In the winter, the you got to go to the house. You have to go yeah. to the house, and it's frigging cold because okay. there's yeah. no heater, right? I agree. Yeah. I agree. Damn you know, I'm from China. I, I was not born here, so I don't want to stay outside in the winter for too long. It's no good if you're born here either. Trust me, it's horrible. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, what about your clients though? Like, what are they buying right now? Like, what are they looking for? Like, what is the <clears> typical deal that you're out there searching for? Yeah. So um, I also want to talk a little bit about the construction side. Um, I, I After I finish constructing uh, business, I've, I figure out that this is really not for profit, especially for amateurs. If you are not a professional builder like uh, Daryl, um, it's not your business. So don't really build. You can buy and hold and hopefully the land appreciate and sell it to builders, but don't build yourself. It's too much headache. And I think it's not really profitable because uh, new builders who build for themselves make tons of mistakes. And all those mistakes are costing you, which makes the very marginal profit gone very soon. And some people even have a bigger loan than they can digest. I saw listings. Yeah. I saw half-finished buildings in Scarborough being sold at um, like a land value. 
So a lot of people could go bankruptcy by building something that they cannot handle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, come back to the topic about what I buy my clients. Been there. So, yeah, one of my golden rule is that I only buy new homes. New homes doesn't mean pre-constructions. New homes means any homes first occupied after 2018, November 15th. That means there's no rent control. Why this is so, so, so important? Because in Ontario, tenants are really, really protected very well. They are protected like... Uh, like the new baby sitting in the room served by all the all the nurses they have they have been spoiled in a way so ontario is not like texas um there are two things that makes landlords a weaker position compared to tenants number 1 there's rent control most homes you can only increase the rent for the same tenants for like 1 to 2% each year and after certain years, your rent will be like 20%, 30% off market. That's when the problem happens because the tenants are making like a positive cash flow in a way, like $800, $500 in a way each month. Subsidized. They're not, not going to move out. Okay, no. they're not, they're not going to move out. So the home literally becomes the tenant's home. I even see people sublease the home and doesn't return the home to the landlord. Yeah. You know, they pay on time, they're okay, but they're just taking advantage. So the second thing is that in Ontario, the landlord cannot decide not to lease to the tenant after a contract expires. The tenant, however, can decide to move out at any time with 60 days notice. So that's two reasons, rent control and the, the, uh, the fact that landlord cannot stop leasing a unit to someone makes landlord really in a weak position. Yeah. I've seen bad tenants. They've just bullying the landlord. I even see landlord suicide. So the bad tenants stop Are paying they? rent. The yeah. landlord has to apply through LTB, and they they need to wait for a year. Yeah, so that it, it get here, and the the judge somehow always give the tenants a chance. If you pay off the bill, you got to stay there. So a lot of tenants, even if they get to pay the full amount after one year, they still make 5% from saving that in the bank account. Um, that's why I always encourage my clients, including myself, I sold all of my old homes when the Ford government is, uh, is, is in the house and uh, changed the uh, rent control rule. There's a small note there saying that any home first occupied after 2018 and uh, November 15th, are not subjective to rent roll, uh, sorry, to rent control. So that way, if you have a bad tenant, you can increase the rent significantly. Especially when the tenant stop paying rent, you can increase the rent very harshly so that when after one year, they're not just paying you like 3,000 times 12, like 36,000, they can be paying you like a 10K times 12, like a 12, 120K. As the tenants, they know this. If they bark, if they uh, make troubles with new homes owners, they will be facing this issue. That's when they go to LTB, they could go bankrupt. So that's the bad tenants. They now, based on my observation, they try to avoid new home owners and go and find only those old home owners to target on and uh, bully those people. So in my opinion, I think holding new homes in Ontario is a good choice. You can increase the rent as much as you want. 
Uh, I normally only increase to like 10% off market rent if they are good tenants, okay? But if they're bad tenants, the landlord at least have a way to, you know, bargain with the the tenants. Mm -hmm. As a tenants, they, they all know better than the landlord. They now focusing on leasing and uh, bullying only the old homeowners. So I, I think, think- I think we're, yeah, and I and I totally agree. And that's, and that's, uh... Uh, a good strategy. And, and it's actually my, my strategy as well. If I'm going to be in the GTA, yep. I don't think that you should be looking at, if you have an option at anything that's built previously to 2018. Right. Yeah. And, but we're giving, we're giving the tenants a little bit too much credit. One is they're not going to put the money in the bank and get 5%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. These tenants are, they are waiting for the LTV hearing, right? Saving and They're investing. all a little bit yeah, they're all a little bit out there, right? You would do that because you you've got the mind for it, right? But most of these tenants are are not uh, as as financially um, strategic. Yeah, and then and then also like I don't think that there's too many who are target. I think the bad tenants actually. You bring up a good point. The really bad tenants would target first. They would target people renting on their own who don't have a realtor or property manager. That's who mm -hmm. they target, dealing directly mm -hmm. with the landlord. Second, yep. then they would target people who are in older stock because of the rent control. But I think yeah. not every tenant has got the same knowledge. I think a lot of tenants are um, ignorant to a lot of the to, to the policies and stuff like that. So definitely, uh, I'll try not to give too much credit to the tenants, but well, I, agree, a lot of people, I agree with all the things that you're saying. But there's yeah. a lot of people on TikTok that are telling people how it works at the, the landlord tenant board. You know, like it's spreading that you can get away without paying your rent for a year. And like yeah. that, that's just on TikTok. Like we know that there's companies that, you know, will make the paperwork you need. Well, there's also companies and people that will coach people to get yeah. what they need. Right. Yeah. Uh, however they need to, to do it. And, and uh, by the way, I want to share one more information because sure. my team does a lot of leases. I think the fake documents we received has increasingly has, has been, has has increased a lot like i used to collect like five to ten percent fake documents i think now it's like 25 to 30 percent are there more fake documents and are what's, there what's more a fake people document? are there more people like applying for the same size unit now like i keep hearing um, that didn't we hear like four people for like a one bedroom we're applying like i've heard this a bunch of times four people for a two bedroom three people in a one bedroom are applying because they can't afford anything else. It's not like that. Fake documents means they provide a, a fake uh, credit report. Their credit score is like 400, but they give me yeah. something like 780. Um, they provide a fake income proofs that uh, um, they are making 100, 150K each year. Um, so we we try our best to avoid that. So that, that's a tricky part because before I think that the the tenants are not so equipped with the with the documents that they, they can create from a fake side. Um, now more tenants, especially tenants with uh, worse credit scores with uh, not enough incomes, they try to make up fake documents in order to get uh, approved by landlord. Well, how yeah. how are immigrants like? Look, we're flooding the the country with all these new immigrants. Like, how are yeah. they supposed to find a place when the landlord's like, you need to have proof of income for six months? And they're like, well, I just got here last week. Uh, yeah. Like, I've worked for the last two days at the fishmonger's place or wherever. Yeah. Like, how are these people supposed to find a place? 
when they move here, when there's no options and the, the landlords are like looking for the best possible yeah. tenant. What do you mean you don't have pay? a credit report? You've been here for like two weeks. Get out of here. Come on, you deadbeat. How can you have it? You know? No, but seriously, yeah, how yeah. is this happening? I, 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 do, I do have a lot of um, clients who really don't have a, a credit score. A lot of them are international students. Uh, some of them are new immigrants here to get their master degree or PhD degree down. For those people, the most important thing is that try your best to provide like six months or even 12 months rent paid upfront. And they, they still can find something. Yes. Yeah, they find something. Eventually they find an arrangement that would that would work for them. So here, I want to change uh, course here. So one of your last videos, you're interviewing an agent from, uh, I think it was Beijing. Yes. And uh, yeah, so what were you, what did you learn from that video? The differences between the Toronto market and Beijing? Because obviously you never work there. You work here. You're an expert in the Toronto area. Yeah. He's an expert in Beijing. What did you learn the difference between Toronto and the Beijing markets? Okay, that's a funny topic. Uh, I, I did never work in China or in Beijing, but uh, my family ran real estate business in China. So I think I still know China pretty well. I uh, And thank you for, for searching me so well. You did a lot of good research. I appreciate that and I respect that. Um, I think the current market for the Chinese um, real estate um, is relatively staying stable or relatively going down a little bit. Um, the reason behind it is that there are too many homes in China, based on my research. Um, China's data is not as open as uh, here in, in Canada. We, we know how many people we have. We know how many homes are there. So I did some research from my own channel that uh, in China right now, there's about 1.4 billion in population, and there's about 680 million homes. That's pretty much two people per home, okay? Two people per home. In Toronto, every 1,000 people has about 360 homes. That's about three people a home, okay? You don't need to remember the exact numbers. Just uh, remember two people a home in China, three people a home in Canada. So also the China, Chinese population has been surpassed by Indian. And the Chinese population is no longer growing as they used to be. They are going to stay at about 1.4 million for a little bit. I think that's a very deadly sign for, for real estate because people start losing trust in the real estate price. In another way is that the rent in China is so low that it makes the uh, buying real estate and betting on collecting the rent a no game, okay? So you don't make a profit from buy and hold and rent it out. I think the cap rate for many major cities like Beijing is like half percent to 1%. If you want to make money by buying real estate in China, you are betting on the appreciation, 100%. A lot of people even doesn't lease it out because they believe if a tenant moves in, it's going to take more damage to the home than the rent they collected. So I think right. the Chinese real estate market is in a, is in a difficult time. That's um, the the rent is likely to go up as people's making more money. The economy is developing, um, but the real estate price wise is at a place where people doesn't want to draw price to sell, but um, the liquidity is not very good. I heard yeah. I had a really interesting thing. I, I had this great realization. I was talking to someone about two weeks ago. 
And so, and this is Daryl, this is like kind of like news for me and you. So when the, when the central banks, whether it be in China or US or Canada, decide to lower interest rates, right? It's in order to stimulate the economy. Okay. They want people yep. to spend more money in the economy. Yep. In Canada, the reason that we, like our mindset, right? When they lower interest rates, they say, oh, we can borrow more now. Oh, this is good. I'm going to go buy more because I'm going to go take on more debt because the interest rate's really low. Right? Daryl, yep. agree? Mm-hmm. Agree? Okay. In China, yep. because of the way that their thinking is, when the interest rates are low, they said, well, why would I want to put my money in the bank then? And when the interest rates are high, they say, oh, not a good time to spend money. I'm going to put it in the bank because I'm going to get a lot more interest because a lot of Chinese so buyers and, here. and their philosophy, not completely different mindset. Their philosophy is they don't get loans. They try to buy properties with hmm. no mortgages. But they, they have to, to buy to- it because like somebody told them you can't get married unless you own a property or something. Like well, there's I'm more just, I'm, just, there. I'm just saying that the, the mindset is completely the opposite. And so when rates go down, it's no longer, oh, it's not a good time to put money in the bank, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I thought, want to comment on that. I think you please, heard yeah. Uh, yeah, you heard a part of the interesting side. I guess a lot, not a lot of people talk about things what I'm talking about. So I, I really would like to share more. Um, one problem for the, uh, for the Chinese system is that, you know, it's a developing country. It's still developing country. Um, the, the system somehow needs to catch up with the economy uh, development. One of the system that um, I think is is not making a lot of sense, and especially what Daryl mentioned that you know the mother-in-law always wants the son-in-law to buy a home is because that um, in Canada we lease and uh, ownership is the same. You get the same school zone, you get uh, pretty much the same uh, health insurance, but in China no, you need to buy a home in order to get the. Uh, sequence in getting your kids into the top public schools. Um, if you are renting, you are in the second tier. Only when the uh, people who own the homes, kids, are fully satisfied, then it becomes the renting zone. Yeah, so never. in a way, renting is not ideal. You want your kids to go to the good public school, especially in the major cities. Um, for some of the major cities, even if you own a home, um, your chance of going, going to the top public school is like 90%, 80%. It's not 100% guaranteed. Um, so, so that people have to buy a home in order to enjoy all those benefits and even um, privileges. Also, don't, don't they have to pay? For, like, I, Maybe they've changed this, but I heard that you don't just put a deposit down when you buy pre-construction there. You have to buy the whole thing like at the beginning. And then the developer has all that money to, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's another funny with, thing. Right? Yeah, that's another funny thing. And I think that the system also needs to to catch up with the economy development. I think the right, right now the rule is not really in favor of the buyer because the developer can touch the money of the buyer before it's a complete uh, before it's completed uh, um, in a way. So what happens is that the developer are not borrowing money from the bank themselves. They are allowed legally to use the buyer's uh, funding. That means there could be some corruption there that when the project is 50% down, they somehow used 80% of the money. How does that happen all the time? <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that's because 
the the system is not recognizing the 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 systematic risk of of this behavior. So a lot of banks they're not doing their full responsibility to make sure that you borrow 80% of the money when you finish 90% of the project. Instead, some of them, you know, could could be borrowing money more to the developer. Some developer could even shift those money to to buy other projects lands or or something else. I think that's a tragedy for many new home buyers. So if I have a family, have a friend to to share my thoughts in in the, in, in this system in China, that's please buy resales only. Don't focus on the new homes. If you buy new home, definitely buy the number one developer. It's actually similar to here. I also recommend people only buy from the large builders Did, as well. Don't buy from the small builders. Yeah. Did, didn't the big guys disappear? Like didn't Evergrande go uh bye bye they were they were like number two or were they number one or number two yeah. they, they, they 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 somehow go bye bye so in china go bye -bye. if you want to really be really really safe buy real sales only when you can Resale see sale only yeah, 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 yeah you can move so in tomorrow we just yeah. we just had obviously our interest rate increase here at the bank of canada okay so this yeah. week we had another quarter point basis uh another 25 basis point increase obviously this has now caused people to sort of think, all right, is this going to be over in the fall? We might have further interest rate. How high are interest rates going to go? Like, what, what are your clients saying? What the hell are these guys doing? I think what are, what what are your clients saying this week with the interest rates? Do you have people under pressure from those rates who have maybe variable mortgages? What are you experiencing right now in, on, in the field? Okay. Um, first of all, I think there are certain people who are suffering more than the other people. Uh, I think the certain people who are suffering are people who bought at the beginning of 2022. And especially if you take a variable rate at that time, you're probably suffering. For people who bought a home like 2018 or 2015, your loan to value is like 30%, or maybe 40%. I think for this group of people, they are not really suffering that, that much. But of course, people are paying more. Another group of people is that people who are renewing their mortgage. That also means you probably renewed your mortgage in like 2018 or 2019. So for these two group of people, they are suffering the most. But a good part for the people who are renewing their mortgage is that they can somehow extend their mortgage. If your mortgage term uh, has like 15 years left, you can reapply for the mortgage and get it a 30-year mortgage. Then oh. your monthly payment is a lot smaller. It's horrible though. People are like, you know, people, some people, their whole goal in life was to like pay down that mortgage, right? Yeah. Make I, sure I to completely pay it down. understand. Now it went from 15 years to 75 years. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So horrible. it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy, tragedy. unfortunately. Yeah. So the government has to decide whether they want the um whether they want interest low or whether they want inflation low. It's a left hand and right hand issue. Uh, there's no such perfect thing. Uh, I think it does need some time for these two to balance. But I think if I'm in the house, maybe there could be a way of thinking that two percent inflation is probably not a hundred percent necessary. I don't know for that, but um, balancing the interest rate and the inflation is important. But they can just and recalculate that, things, right? Especially right now, because of how much 
of the inflation is being credited towards those actual interest payments. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I think at the end of the day, if they just kind of move, like if they just carry the one and then yeah. maybe like, you know, move this number into this column, I'm sure they could find a way to be able to say that we have a two to 3% interest uh, or oh, sorry, inflation yeah. rate. And the yeah. Bank of Canada is going to be able to uphold their mandate. And, Why don't they and just look like, at the numbers? Look at the data. Landing. Yeah. Soft like, landing. Why, why don't they look at it and go, you know what? Like if we weren't fucking this up really bad right now and we took out all the things we're doing, everything would be fine already. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's yeah. like this central control that's supposed to protect the people is actually the real, real problem here. Because they, yeah. they didn't have to go 500 basis points or like, that's crazy. Yeah. You know? yeah. So ha yeah. like even so, so, so the, the people you're you, that you're dealing with, um, I'm guessing, like, how are we getting around the uh, the new laws right now? How are we dealing with the, the foreign buyer ban? Uh, I, I think it's OK. The foreign buyers, they are like uh, one to two percent uh market share of my of the whole market it, it does hit me somehow because my buyers a lot of them are new immigrants are working visa are students um i think they represent the people who doesn't have their working visa or their pr rep represent about 20 percent of my uh whole whole buyer teams so my business did get affected by the foreign buyer ban somehow but I think it really doesn't make a lot of change to the overall markets. We oh, are dominated sure. by local buyers, not really by foreign buyers. This is more of a political propaganda in a way that uh, I, I I do this so that I show to my voters that I'm doing something for you. Right. The voters yeah. that don't vote, the ones overseas, right? So, I was, so I was seeing, I was, no, I was seeing actually yesterday, just so you guys know, I was seeing the percentage because a, a client and I were speaking on the phone and he said, the number of new immigrants who vote, so people who are new to Canada within however many years, maybe three to five years, what do you think that percentage is? How many of them vote? It's very low because people new immigrants means people who get their PR, permanent resident. They cannot vote until they become citizenship. So sorry, sorry I'm talking about citizens. I'm people, people who are eligible new to citizens. vote. Oh, they probably mm -hmm. run out and vote right away because they got okay. the right. I, I well, I first said it was low. I said, "What do they care about?" That's oh, probably it's, super it's, high. It's almost eighty percent. Yeah, because they're so happy that they now have their citizenship. But you're right; if they they're don't proud. have proud, they're proud. They can't. They can't vote. Yeah, but it, it, the ones who have actually gotten their citizenship, it's like eighty percent. And what's the total Canadian population percentage of voting? Like. I don't know, 30 50%? to 40 percent, 30 percent low, yeah, 40 percent low, yeah. right? Like it's, it's all of them. Yeah. It's all of them. It's all just so the new who's immigrants voting. voting. This right. is like back on the docks when they when people would come here, you know, from Ireland and Europe, they would be giving them they'd say, oh, yeah, welcome. You want your immigration papers? Great. Well, I need you to vote for me next Wednesday. So then that way I can be elected and they would buy all their votes. And yeah. so all these people who are coming in, it's the same thing. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I come here just in a different way because they know that they're going to be the ones who are voting, uh, you know, liberal or whoever it is that's approving all this. Obviously, the liberal government. But yeah, you know, I also want to share an interesting thing for you. OK, I think in the Chinese community, most people likes the liberals a lot before they get their permanent residence. As soon as they get their permanent residence, they start leaning towards right. the pc okay <laughs> that's how they <laughs> don't need their help anymore okay? yeah 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 if you have yeah. a pair if you have your parents your grandparents 
are, are, are on their super visa, but not yet getting their permanent residence, you are probably voting for liberals. If yeah. every one of your family is here in Canada, well, you, you're probably going to vote for the PC. We need to tighten up. We got, don't let anybody more No more immigrants. We got enough. That's we need to enough. crack down We're on here. services. We need to make sure yeah. that everybody's fiscally responsible. That yeah. makes a lot of, I've never heard that perspective before, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. So, that's, so, that's the funny thing. So, so are a lot of your clientele new students from abroad that have come here to study and they're buying a place here? Yes, they are like me, okay? Uh, before two, 2023, um, still in 2022, although people need to pay a, a foreign buyer tax, which used to be 15% and then becomes 20%, now it's 25%, but the student visa, still, uh, they can still buy. I try to sell them pre-construction because when they buy, they lock in the price. After three to five years, they already get their PR. So they are not really paying for the um, for the foreign buyer tax. Starting this year, uh, people in that category, they can no longer buy. So I can only do lease business for them and try so to they can't, hold They can't them. even enter into a, I didn't know this. They can't even enter into a pre-construction contract? No, they cannot. If they enter, I, covers yeah, that? my license will be suspended for however long it is. Okay. Yeah, so I they can only that. lease. Yes, uh, and they can buy commercial, but the thing is that oh. they are, they don't have enough money and knowledge to buy commercial. I buy multifamily myself. I I just bought a ten units in in Welland. I imagine so, you did. Yes, for them to live in while they move here. Is it near a school by any chance? Not not really near school. It's just no. uh, um, ten units leasing to pretty much local people. Wow. But I think for students, they don't have the. Um, the energy, they don't have the knowledge, they don't have really the fun to buy a, compli a complicated projects like this. So, so where are they living though? Where are they living? Where's where? I don't get it. Like, there's so many. Did they you see? I I saw this stat. This this stat is crazy. Okay, so I don't know how long ago, three four weeks ago, Canada hit forty million people in population. Yeah. Right, just yeah, a few I weeks ago. Well. Did you see this new stat? Since yeah. then. We've brought in 141,000 new immigrants. That yeah. it's like a, in a month. Yeah. 141,000. That, that's like half of what we brought in in a year of, a couple yeah. of years ago. Like, yeah. where are all these people going? Did you see the lineups at this pre construction thing in Woodstock? Yeah. Like, what? what I don't, I don't understand. Like, I'm not the best at math, but like, the math on the demand and the supply, I don't care how many vacant homes there are. Like something doesn't add up at all here. Where where are all these new students living if they can't even buy a place now? Where okay. are they? Yeah, I, I can comment a little bit on that. You know, when I was here, that's uh, 14 years ago. In downtown, students for uh, two students living in a two-bed unit, Okay. That's literally too bad, you know, 750, 800 square feet, very decent size. Two students live there. Nowadays, most of the downtown units for two bedroom is two couples, two young couples, boyfriend, girlfriend live there. And sometimes the solar room, the dining room, they put a, they put a door or they put a, a shelter there. Um, a shelf there so that another student can live in the in the den or living in the dining room. Now it's like uh, three to four to five people living in a two bed. That that somehow 
um, answers your question. Like, where does a student go? They 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 They're do them find in. a place. This they just uh, find a smaller about. place. Yeah, this, this is, is what we keep talking about, though. TK is like people just. First of all, I don't know that that's legal, but like this is what has to happen to fill mm. to get people in places is all these crazy chop up jobs that people have to do where, OK, you, so that's why I was asking before how many units you're allowed, because you could be allowed to do six, but the house could be chopped up into like 12 pretty easily. And there's a lot of people that they don't give a shit, right? They don't care how many they're allowed to do. Right. Yeah. They're just going to do it anyways. And you get these houses that are chopped up into 12, 14 rooms for people. Right. Yeah. And they're paying like a lot of money every month. And this is what's absorbing the slack or Calgary seems to be pretty busy right now. Right. Mm -hmm. I saw that Four, three out of the seven projects in Calgary were only exclusively offered to Ontario investors. Sure. <laughs> Why is surprising. it? Would you, are any of your Why clients looking there? Why wouldn't they just open the doors to the other people? Sure. Are, do any of your clients consider moving to Calgary or investing? Uh, investing not really. in Calgary? No, no not really. Um, my clients are a, a, a group of clients who are, I, I think, is lazy. They, they are lazy in a good way that they trust lazy. me, trust my team can take care of them. Um, I think only if I can find a good team who can manage properties like we do, take care of my clients the way like I do, that I don't drop the quality of my service so that I can send my investor clients to Calgary. Uh, it's really a market that I'm not as confident as I am um, here in Ontario. I, I don't think I know enough to give the best suggestion to my clients uh, over there. Um, I personally will not consider investing in Calgary as of now, but in the future, maybe, who knows, if I buy a lot of multifamilies myself. Uh, by the way, I stopped buying uh, individual residentials. I no longer get mortgage from the banks. They believe I bought too many. Too many. So if I start buying more multifamily, Calgary could be a destination that I'm looking for. Because... That's a different story. But if it's individual unit, I think it really doesn't worth a headache if you live in Ontario or if you live in BC and trying to buy in Alberta. So a uh, question for you. Are they, um, yeah. So in, with, with respect to um, your clients who are buying right now, are any of them looking to do uh, like get into development? Like, would you have clients who are like, oh, we would love to be a part of a development and maybe we could be like an equity owner into into a project? Is that something that your clients ever? Not a lot of them. And, and I really uh, not suggest that way. I think especially, it, think about it. If you are doing development, who's going to work with you? Tridel, Daniels, <laughs> Pinnacle, they're not going to work with you, right? You are once again going to work what with- if you were, What if you were going to be working with one of those big- developers and there was an opportunity to invest with somebody very reputable how would you feel about it at that point i don't find an opportunity like that i think if I know, that's, they're hard to find yeah if but there's if an did, opportunity like that yeah maybe exist. people will think about it maybe Ooh, people yeah. will consider but uh, i think there's uh, really not enough room for smaller uh, developers to build their to build developers project because it's too costly for for smaller developers, they are borrowing at ten percent, but for the big players, they're borrowing at five six percent. Just the borrowing cost can eat up all these small developers' pro, uh, profit. 
So okay. most of the small developers are really better off if they build other people's project. Like I take on a project that belongs to a client who want to build a custom home themselves. Sure. So I'm not Please. worrying about yeah, I'm not worrying about the uh, construction cost and uh, the mortgage cost, yeah. but the, the other people they are worrying about. I think smaller developers are better off doing other people's projects in a way. I have a, I have lot, a lot. I have a lot next to a client, and we were talking about it, and he was saying that uh, it was a doctor, and he was a surgeon, and he bought this lot for one point one million a couple of years ago, and it's just been sitting vacant, and he's just cutting the grass every single summer. And yep. he was telling him how much it was going to cost to build. I think it was like 6,000 square feet. And he was giving him the breakdown and, and everything else. And now, like obviously a couple of years later, based on the information we know, the amount of money he has to spend in order to, to build on that lot would never be pro like he would be in way more money than the house would be worth at the end of the day. And so the house is just the lot's just sitting there vacant because, yep. you know, if for him to be able to spend, let's say, two and a half million dollars in order to be able to build this property, there's this no way it's worth 3.6. And so now the yeah. lot's just sitting there empty because obviously a doctor, not a specialist in real estate, um, you know, bought a property with the idea of building and it's now probably never going to get built at this rate. I, I think I do not the math him. as well. You know, I, I'm a, I study finance. I do the math for the uh, fourplex as well. Like yeah. uh, you can build literally five units, the fourplex in the front and a garden suite. Or a back backyard suite. Anyway, sweet. Yeah. 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 So even for five units, the the numbers doesn't make any sense. If you, oh. you thank know, you. Finally, somebody that actually did the math also. We're, Everybody <laughs> we else. We didn't do the math. Terrible, right? Nobody we just looked at the drawings. I've been yeah. telling everybody forever this fourplex nonsense doesn't do anything, if anything. It's going to increase the values of properties in areas because some stupid investor thinks no. that he can pay more for the property than the than the end user. And he's going to pay extra because he thinks, oh, I can do five suites. And some realtor told me it's going to cost me 100000 to do the renovation. And then it takes 500000 to do the renovation, right? If you want to do it legally, it's going to cost a lot of money to chop up these houses. And if you yeah. build one from scratch, it makes no sense either, right? Yeah, it's like a $1.5 minimum. Yeah, I had, I had a client approach me about it who had already done it. And uh, I gave them the the facts. I mean, I'm not going to lie to someone and say that they're going to get more money for their house than it's worth. And so I broke down how much his house was worth. I even rounded up just to give him like a fair, you know, assessment. And it was hundreds of thousands of dollars less than his cost. And yeah. I couldn't, you know, I just told him, I said, look, I mean, keep the house rented out. And, uh, you know, he's trying to sell it anyways, but not with me. But uh, at the end of the day, that's that's what it is. You know, like they're just you, you you went into this with your blindfold on thinking if I build the units, people will want to, you know, uh, pay me whatever I, I whatever it costs me. The buyers aren't willing to pay. No, it's not it's gonna not, happen. They don't care. Yeah, It doesn't work like not that. gonna happen. No, but it works like that on a lot of people's performers somehow. Right. Those those spreadsheets somehow work with like all the overruns and all the right. And somehow magically people are going to not only pay the rent that you think they're going to pay, but they're going to pay it every month on time and not trash the place and nothing yeah. will go wrong. Right. Yeah. So like you were saying before, it's so easy for a, 
uh, tenant to cost you more than the rent that you bring in, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Like mm-hmm. one thing that they do could cost close to what they pay you in rent in a year, right? Exactly. Exactly. People, people don't realize that. Like the formula has like two and a half percent like vacancy yeah. or something yeah. crazy, right? Yeah. I, I think especially nobody actually did it before, you know? Uh, I I give a improper joke. It's like uh, teenager sex. Nobody has done it, okay? But everyone's claiming they've done it and they know how to do it. Uh, That (laughs) is the perfect way to end the show. I I think, yeah, a lot of people, they are trying to, (laughs) the the realtors, they try to make up a good story so that they get another deal. Sure. This is, this topic, I I talk about it in the uh, uh, custom build uh, um, video in my own channel. That's the, the, the realtor makes up the final sales price to a bigger number and the developer makes up the number to a smaller number. So your cost is less, your income is bigger. By the end of the day, the buyer potentially has more chance buying into the product. And somehow down the road, like 70%, 80% finished, they figure out that, okay, the cost is underestimated and the final sale price is overestimated. So they are actually losing money. They have zero profit from day one, but you know, the realtor and the developer cheated on them. That's on a they, good they market. They get paid. The That's realtor in a good and market. the developer get paid. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. in a yeah. good market. When it What's goes sideways, that yeah. plus everything else Nor- Norman, happens. Norman, let's like, cause yeah. we're coming to the end of the show. Let's hear from you. What's going to happen to all those pre-construction units that have sold at 17, 18, 2,000, $2,400 per square foot. What's going to happen when these units come up for closing? So that's a very good question. You know, when the home price, uh, this this is the trick that I, I learned from uh, developers that they are playing. You know, some developer, when they sell, for example, at a thousand and when finishing the, pro- the product it goes to 1500, which means the buyer makes a lot of money. Then some developers start to picking up problems of the buyers. Your mortgage letter is not ideal. You know, this is a fake letter. So we are going to cancel your purchase. And I take my unit back. I resell at 1500 However, for things like you mentioned that they sold at 1800 2000 when they finish, the project is like 1400 oh. Things like what I mentioned will yeah. never happen. They will never. do everything you can to make sure you take you don't take need to provide the, us a letter don't worry about yeah, the letter yeah. yes yeah, we'll don't give worry you a vtb okay, okay. We'll just take the VTB. unit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah there will be the, the developer is in a in a problem at the same time the realtor who put the buyer into that situation that they buy at 1800 but so finally it's only 1400 the realtor is also in a difficult position i don't yeah. want to put myself in that position Good and luck getting buyer, the second half of your commission, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but I think most of the buyer, they will close anyway, but they have to close with like 50%, 60% down in order to make up the difference in the right. assessment value and the real price they paid. So I think for the buyer, it's also in a difficult position that uh, they they used the three home, two homes down payment to, to cover and uh, pay off this, this mortgage. Uh, I think it's going to be a tragedy, the most for the buyer, uh, but most of them will close anyway. Yeah, they just sit on there. They just sit there for five years, six years, seven years. When the price starts really to break even, then they consider resale. Yeah, and what about all the... Is, is the timeline will, 
like whatever timeline the developers have promised, it will be later than that. By yeah, at least one or two years, and hopefully yeah, but not still, two years. Not yeah. in low rise. What about what about all the subdivisions where people bought like six months ago? They're under construction. They're gonna have to close in like three, four months, and now they like all these crazy people that are out in I don't even know where, like how far. Let's like Bancroft in some new subdivision. They paid one three or one four, and now it's worth. 800 and they have to close in four months at six percent i think that's uh, another 2017 is going to happen in 2017 a lot of developers sued their buyers and uh, developer pretty much won 100 percent of those lawsuit cases because they do have a contract the the buyer basically breached the contract yeah, but do they collect the money? They can win all the cases they want. Did they collect the, the, money? the money? To, right. Yeah. At least they, they they at least they collected all the de uh, deposits. Deposits, great. So developer now start to ask for a lot more deposit than used to ask for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it used to be like 20, 30 grand was like the most the pre-construction freeholds low rise would ask for. And now yeah. I'm hearing 120 20%. Like big numbers, yeah. yeah. 25% yeah. before 10 closing. plus percent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So Norman, well, we've we've come we've come to the end. Yeah. Um, I want to kind of hear from you where people can find you. You're a smart guy. Like you got you're definitely love like, it. You're, Honest. you're in a unique business position where you've got this financial background. You're offering this like tailored service to investors. I'm a hundred percent sure that there's a huge market for that. Beautiful I think that market. you can serve a, a major uh, segment of the market and that a lot of people can benefit. So where can people find you? Uh, social media, YouTube, website. Yeah. How do people find yeah. you? Okay, so you you post this uh, uh, video on YouTube, right? Any other channels? Uh, uh, it'll be on TikTok pod, and Twitter. Pod, podcast, though, so Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. Yeah, it'll be all, every, it'll be everywhere in pieces somehow. Yeah. Okay, Instagram. so I I I'm on YouTube. I can um, leave a message. Please ping my message if you don't mind for this podcast. Uh, okay. So that people can find my YouTube channel. And over there, okay. I have my email address. I have my WeChat. I have my WhatsApp, my okay. phone number. Um, my website is also easy. It's just NormanXU. Norman's my first name. XU is my last name. NormanXU.com. You can find me on my website. Um, I use WhatsApp. I use Instagram. I use uh, Xiaohongshu, which is a Chinese version of the Instagram. Um, so I'm all yours. Okay. If awesome. you or your fans has any questions specifically, um, interested in my own community, in my uh, logic, feel free to contact me. Awesome. 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 Uh, you've been a you've been a, a great guest today. We really appreciate okay. it. And you know, maybe in the future we'll get you back on the show and we can kind of get an update and see where the market goes. We'll look at some of the predictions we made and all the comments about the the strategies that people are using and see if anything's changed. Perfect. Thank you for your invitation. Okay. I, I'm really glad to be here with you, Daryl, and with you, TK. Awesome. Thank you, Norman. Have a great day.